On February 4th, 2003, a little girl left home on a quick trip to the store just a few blocks away. She was supposed to be getting in the car of a family friend who was also going to the store. But when he later returned without her, the family realized that there had been a huge miscommunication. This case triggered the first ever Amber Alert here in Washington State. It's the disappearance of Sofia Juarez. Welcome back to Washed Away, Season 2, Episode 8. I'm your host, Ashley Smith. On this podcast, I cover unsolved crimes, cold cases, and missing persons from Washington State exclusively. And I always try to talk to an expert or a family member, someone who knows the case better than anyone, or maybe even was at the scene of the crime, which is actually true for who I'm speaking with on this episode. I will be frank. We have no idea what happened to Sophia. And it is it is the most important case that we continue to work on. That's Sergeant Randy Maynard with the Kennewick Police Department. He's been working on this case for 18 years now and was on duty the night that Sophia went missing. I was the on-duty patrol sergeant for the city of Kennewick, the supervisor of all the, the, the patrol officers that were working that night. Any missing child report is probably one of the highest priority calls that any police department can respond to, uh, not just our police department. When there's a report of a missing child, especially one that is that young, especially that time of day, and it was 36 degrees out that night, um, I distinctly remember being in a Part of our uniform is we are permitted to wear, um, during inclement weather, a, a leather outer coat. And I had my leather coat on thinking, man, it's cold tonight. Sophia was only four years old on February 4th, 2003. In fact, it was the day before her fifth birthday. Her mother last saw her on the night she went missing around 8.25 p.m. when Sophia asked for a dollar so she could go to the store with her grandmother's boyfriend. She was wearing a red long sleeve shirt, blue overalls, and white sneakers. Her mom remembered fixing her shoes for her before she left. I know in our particular department, it's not uncommon to be dispatched to a missing child report at about four o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday because a child has not returned home from school. And virtually every instance, those are found to be some form of miscommunication between a child, a caretaker, and or a parent. And so through some assertive investigation and deploying additional resources, we generally find or reconnect or get a report that the child has been found within a very short period of time. When we go to a missing child who is at the time four, it's 8.30 at night. It, there's 36 degrees outside, um, and her mother is calling saying, we've, we've been trying to find her for hours, and I, I don't remember if it was hours. It was some period of time. 
and we have been unable to do so. For me personally, you just you get you get a, a knot in your gut that says, okay, th this isn't necessarily a case of miscommunication where the child went to a friend's house and is not reported in to mom or dad. And so I remember immediately thinking, okay, I've got I've got six or eight patrol officers available to me that work for the Kennewick Police Department. We are situated in Benton County, so I can call upon the Benton County Sheriff's Department who has deputies on duty. Uh, and if necessary, I can call for neighboring agencies to assist. We also have the uh, Kennewick Fire Department. Uh, they had firefighters staffed at four stations for that uh, that shift. And so you start you start processing, okay, what, what can we do to really get as many people working on this as we can? And the Sophia disappearance was the first activation of the Amber Alert uh, warning system in the state of Washington. You're probably familiar with Amber Alerts, but just to clarify, it's an emergency message that alerts the public of a missing child as soon as possible. Usually that means by beeping or buzzing your phone, showing up on uh, major road signs, flashing, that kind of thing. It originated in the United States in 1996, and it's an acronym for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. But it's also named after Amber Hagerman, who was abducted and murdered near her grandparents' home in Arlington, Texas, when she was just nine years old. When an officer gets dispatched to a missing person, a missing child case, one of the, the very first things that we are taught is, okay, Control the situation as best you can and assign a couple of officers to do a thorough search of the primary residence or wherever this child was supposed to be. There's instances when a child may be inadvertently uh, stuck in a closet or, and I'm not saying that as a, as a, uh, as a negative reference. I mean, things happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, kids, kids, they fall asleep downstairs and, and mom or dad starts panicking and, and they may walk right past the child and, and not realize it because of their sense of panic. So we come in and, and we use two officers and the first thing we do is go through the house and absolutely verify that the child is not present. While those two officers are taking care of that and, and we're looking at outbuildings, we're looking at vehicles and, and again, we're not, we're not searching in the sense of conducting a criminal investigation or executing a search warrant. We are searching for uh, the presence uh, or, or absence of this, this child. We deployed two officers for that. That's, that's their sole duty. And then we also um, immediately connect an officer with the reporting party, which happened to be uh, Sophia's mom. And we start getting a history. We start accounting for who else has rights or could be with this child? Is both parents present? Are there other family members, older siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, you name it? Are there other family members or friends for that matter that the child could be with or could have gone with? And again, maybe it was just an issue of a miscommunication. Sophia lived with her mother, Maria, her grandmother, Ignacia, and her grandmother's boyfriend, Jose. Early reports also mentioned that Sophia had a brother, but I couldn't find any detail of his name or age at the time. Sophia's father was aware of her, but not really in the picture, and police were able to validate his whereabouts for the night that she disappeared. Here's what happened. 
So it, Jose started up his vehicle to drive to the store. Sophia ran into the bedroom with her mother uh, and asked Maria, the mom, for a dollar and permission to go to the store with Jose. Uh, it was not unusual for Sophia to decide to go at the last minute. Mom gave her a dollar and uh, had noted that Sophia had put her shoes on the wrong feet. Mom corrected the shoes and, and Sophia exited the house without a coat. In talking to Jose that night and subsequently, uh, he had no idea or no information that she wanted to go to the store with him or was trying to go to the store with him, and he drove away from the residence. Maria presumed that Jose was taking Sophia with him, yeah. uh, not that anybody did anything wrong, and that was the last that Sophia was heard from or seen was when she, she went outside um, trying to go to the store with Jose. I must have imagined that he was also walking to the store, and so she was trying to walk behind him, but he actually got in a car and drove away. Correct. So it's assumed that Sophia tried to follow Jose to the store, which was only a few blocks from her home. Of course, we know she never made it there. Jose, however, did, and his whereabouts were verified by the police. He got to the store bought some milk, made a phone call at the payphone there, and then returned back home. That's when Maria and the rest of the family realized that Sophia had never been with him. Maynard's officers searched Sophia's house and yard and eventually expanded the search to a three-mile radius around the home, which was located in East Kennewick, Washington. But they found no sign of Sophia. In fact, it seemed like no one saw her at all. But then a tip came in. So Sophia was, she actually went missing or was last seen about 8.25 that evening. At 9.23 is when Maria, her mother, called police to make the report. The call came in at 9.23 p.m. and we arrived at 9.26 p.m. And like I said, we, we immediately put forth efforts to um, search the home, search the vehicle, search the outbuildings. Um, we were searching on foot the, the, the path from the house to the convenience store um, because the initial information was that she was trying to go to the store with Jose. Sophia lived in the 100 block of East 15th, so she would have to walk west from her house to Washington Street and then north to the Sun Mart. That's also the same path that Jose drove. Unbeknownst to us at the time, but revealed later, and I don't have the exact, I wish I could tell you when this information came to us, but there was a woman who lived in a house on the west side of Washington, and she was going to the store in a vehicle, and she pulled up to the stop sign I don't remember if she was on 14th or 15th, but she pulled up to the stop sign at Washington to turn left and go north. In the headlight beam of her vehicle, she reports seeing a female that appeared to be who she later believed to be Sophia. Uh, she was able to provide a, a enough description of her that we believe it was Sophia. We have every reason to believe her, um, but we don't have any way to validate that independently. 
And again, that was right at approximately the same time that Maria said Jose would have gone to the store. Uh, that information, that timeline was validated by the store video surveillance. Uh, and so, you know, at, at 825, when Sophia leaves, her mom recognizes that she's gone. And this woman makes this observation from her vehicle the police haven't been notified yet. We haven't been notified for another hour after that. And so the woman that, that made the observation continued on about her business. And, and I, I can't remember if she called us later that night or the next day, but it was obviously sometime after the observation was made. So at this point, it seems like Sophia made it to the main street near her house, based on that witness tip anyway. I asked if that's a busy street because I've never been there. And the answer was... Not really. It's one lane in either direction. There's a couple of businesses, but it's mostly residential. And I don't know about your neighborhood, but mine's pretty quiet around 9 p.m. on a Tuesday. If someone's driving down my street, it's probably because they live here. I also asked Detective Maynard if any other tips or reports had come in, and he told me something pretty shocking. Our office for the past 18 years has actively investigated a recurring report, and I'm going to use the word report loosely, that Sophia was struck by a vehicle on or reportedly on East 15th. The occupants of the vehicle stopped, recognized that she was not deceased, put her in the vehicle and transported her away where she was later reportedly killed and potentially buried by these people. This has been an absolute recurring, almost verbatim every time it is reported. There, there's some deviation to the facts, but we have, when I say we've thoroughly investigated that, we have, we have tracked information back to the specific people that were named as driving the vehicle, the vehicles they were operating and conducted search warrants with the Washington State Patrol Crime Lab and the FBI, and nothing has independently substantiated any information that that story, that explanation for Sophia's disappearance is validated. That's wild. So someone or several people keep calling in and saying and like giving that as a tip saying that that's what happened, but every time it's been investigated, there's no evidence to support it? Absolutely. And and I don't know how the information originally began. I don't know what has caused it to continue to perpetuate itself, um, but it it involves people who are involved in the drug culture. They're involved in narcotics use and, I don't want to say distribution, but use of narcotics and there's always a tie back to the narcotics involvement. And I can't, nor will I, or will anybody else from this department tell you that that's not what happened. Uh, what we can say is that we've never been able to substantiate independently anything even remotely true with any threat of that generalized story or explanation for what occurred to Sophia. Wow. That's so bizarre. It's almost like it's become an urban legend or something and people just keep like... That's the exact reference we use. <laughs> yeah. 
That detail really does seem like a local urban legend to me that just keeps getting repeated. It's something that your brother's girlfriend's cousin who used to work with someone who knows the family told you. You know what I mean? If you're not familiar with that term, urban legend, here's the definition from dictionary.com. Quote, an urban legend is a modern story of obscure origin and with little or no supporting evidence that spreads spontaneously in varying forms and often has elements of humor or horror, end quote. In this case, it would certainly be horror. But because Sophia has never been found, that theory or quote-unquote report can't be ruled out 100%. I've been a cop for 30, almost 32 years. I have been to trainings uh, specific to missing and abducted children over the course of my career. And statistically speaking, if the abducted child is deceased, the likelihood of finding the remains is pretty, pretty significant. Uh, there's a small, I'm not saying anything's absolute, but there's a small number of, a small percentage of cases where the remains are not discovered if the child is deceased. So statistically, if she were deceased, the likelihood that we would ultimately, whether someone, obviously someone would need to call us and say, oh, I found this or I know this, but the likelihood of us being able to um, locate and identify remains as Sophia's is, is statistically pretty decent. There's also a chance that maybe Sophia is still alive. Maybe she's been raised by someone in a different state or a different country under a new name, and she has no idea that she's missing. It's happened before. There was a concern raised by somebody not in our department or, or not as part of the investigation, but somebody in, with a connection to the family. Excuse me, Sophia's mother had some developmental delays and there was some concern levied somewhere that Sophia was not being raised uh, as someone desired that she should be. And the premise was that she was, uh, she was taken from her mother and sent to live with relatives or someone else uh, in Mexico in order to be raised in either a more traditional culture environment or wh whatever the, the reasoning was. And, and we've never been able to substantiate any of that to be true, but we can't and won't rule it out because we, we don't know where Sophia is if she's alive, and we have not made a discovery of Sophia's remains if she's deceased. Here are some stats about missing children from a 2014 to 2016 report that was done by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. 98% of missing children were found to be abducted by a family member. Over 3,000 children were found after six months of being missing. Only 151 children were found after longer than a decade. For Sophia, it's now been 18 years, almost two decades. This case occurred um, 18 years ago, and we have had a lot of commission staff who have retired or otherwise resigned in that 18 years. And there is really only a handful of us remaining. Not We will never, ever, ever forget about this case, and we will never stop working on this case, but there's only a handful of us remaining uh, who were involved or 
have, have any immediate connection to the investigation. That being said, there are a couple new things happening around Sophia's case in 2021. She's the latest local missing child to be featured in the Homeward Bound program, which uses commercial semi-trucks as rolling billboards throughout the area. That means Washington State and the Pacific Northwest. These trucks feature photos of Sophia as she looked as a four-year-old in 2003, as well as an age-progressed photo of what she might have looked like at 17 years old. She would now be 23. There's also a neighborhood effort happening where police are hoping to recreate a list of Sophia's neighbors from around the time that she went missing. If you lived in Kennewick between South Washington Street and South Cedar Street and between 13th and 16th Avenues at any time during December 2002 and March 2003, please get in touch with the Kennewick Special Investigator at 509-582-1331. You can also email him and I'll be sure to put those details in my show notes. Sadly, Maria Juarez, Sophia's mom, passed away back in 2009, but Sophia still has many relatives out there that are hoping people will soon come forward with new information, any information about what happened. Sophia has black hair and brown eyes with a small mole under one of them. Her ears are pierced. When she vanished, she was missing her four upper front teeth. She stood at only three feet tall and was 33 pounds. Again, she was just four years old, but she did go missing the day before her fifth birthday. Sophia's grandmother described her as a loving, beautiful, happy child, and the pictures I've seen of her absolutely exude that. You can see them for yourself, including the age progression image. It's over on my website. And if you have any information about Sophia's whereabouts, please contact the Kennewick Police Department at 509-585-4208 or call 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. Washed Away is a Cosmic Bigfoot production. For sources, photos, transcripts, and more, visit the show notes for each episode at cosmicbigfoot.com slash washedaway. I'm currently switching website hosts, so pardon my internet dust, but washedawaypodcast.com will be back up soon. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at washedawaypod. And if you'd like to help my little podcast reach new ears, you can subscribe and share or rate and review. Thanks so much for listening. I'll have another episode ready for you in a couple of weeks.